0: This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News.
1: News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast.
2: Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and had a good weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Monday, March the 14th. And we start with news today that another big name in Kent could be about to disappear from our high streets. JC Rook and Sons Butchers have gone into administration well our business editor chris Britcher joins me now and this would be a big loss wouldn't it chris
1: hi nick yes it is it's uh it's another familiar name in our high streets which now seems to be set to disappear i suppose we should be getting used to this but it never gets more palatable does it J.C. Rook has been trading in the county for 55 years and it had an impressive heritage in the industry. The Rook family itself could trace its connections to the meat trade back to the 18th century in and around Norfolk, apparently. Um, and it was butcher Joseph Rook who opened the first store, along with his two sons, in Dover in 1965. And in that same year, they also opened a manufacturing factory in Sandwich. Such was a success, branches began being added across the county, and today there are 11 stores, along with a production facility in Ramsgate, where it makes all its pies and sausages, as well as, of course, providing meat to trade outlets such as restaurants, schools and hotels. Sadly though, the sums clearly are no longer adding up. And when did staff hear about the news? The company now employs around 130 staff and, as we understand it, store managers were contacted on Sunday night to be told the company was sadly going into administration and that obviously outlets couldn't open on Monday. Dean Spinks, who runs the Broadstairs store, said he was absolutely heartbroken by the decision, not just for him, but for his team too. Obviously, there's now a big question mark hanging over their futures.
2: Were we aware the company was in trouble?
1: I think it's collapsed into such trouble has taken many by surprise, not least, of course, its staff and and us as shoppers. But we all know pressure high street stores are under and butchers have long felt the squeeze applied to them by the big supermarkets and the decline in footfall on our high streets and it all of which adds up. The owner of another butcher's in Herne Bay, reflecting on Rooks's collapse, described it as a sad day for the industry, adding, once again, use us or lose us.
2: But I guess this doesn't necessarily mean the end, does it? What could happen?
1: That's right. Going into administration offers a number of scenarios, not all of them doom and gloom. I mean, basically, the role of the administrators, which are an independent team of specialists, will be to look at the routes forward while taking over control of the day-to-day running of the business. They'll be speaking to those the company owes money to and look to see if agreements can be reached or payments deferred. Crucially, they'll also be looking at whether the company can be saved by restructuring. If that doesn't present a solution, they will look to see whether someone wants to take over the business as a going concern. Unfortunately, if all other steps fail, it will go into liquidation, and that basically means selling off its assets in order to raise the money needed to settle its debts. And remember, a business of this size will have plenty of local suppliers to whom it owes money to.
2: Thank you very much for that, Chris. And we've also been getting reaction from Darren Legg. He's from Pork & Co, which is opposite the Rooks in Broadstairs. It's been
3: there for a long time, from my days when I was at college, nearly 40 years ago. And, and everybody in Broadstairs, I'm sure, is gutted as well as they are in all the other towns since they've closed down. Of course, you did buy some meat from them as well. Yeah, yeah, our main supplier. Um, all our pork come from them, butchered, um, and a really good good report with them. And, and you know some of the staff, obviously very sad for them. Yeah, very sad. It mean, must be awful for anybody going into work and finding out you haven't got a job. Um, overnight, virtually. Yeah, 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 on that day. Yeah. Terrible. Of course, it occupies a quite a presence on the high street here, doesn't it? Yeah, massive, massive loss. Um, just a blank space over there now. Great, great shop, great position, um, just sitting there empty with everybody going up to the door, not being able to get in there. Yeah. I mean, were you aware that they'd had any troubles? Not at all. No, not at all. Didn't it seem quite busy, the shop? Yeah, always, always seems to be busy. Bit of a queue there every lunchtime.
2: Lots of you have been commenting on the story on Kent Online and via our social media today. This is one comment. It says, such a massive sad loss to an essential public food provider. So long in business, providing the public with an excellent food service. Another has added I used to buy from here but stopped about four years ago as the high street parking spaces are mostly for disabled people. Shame as it's a lovely butchers but from my point of view Sitting Boy and High Street don't want customers just for a quick pop in the shop and go but seem to love a market and betting shops. Elsewhere another commenter says having been a regular customer of the Maidstone branch for many many years I'm absolutely devastated for the fantastic stuff all of whom without exception always went the extra mile. By far the Best butcher I've been to, and finally, one says when I worked in Maidstone, I shopped in Rooks regularly, but now I work from home, I don't go into the town very often. And when well-used shops like M&S in Week Street unjustifiably closed at the end of last year, there's even less reason to go in. I'm afraid the knock-on effect creates a downward spiral for high streets. Well, we'd love to know what you think today. Perhaps you used to shop there, or maybe work in a Rook's store. You can comment on the story or via our socials. Just search for Kent Online on Facebook and Twitter. Kent Online News. Other news today and two men, including one from Dartford, have been charged after allegedly singing an anti-Semitic song at Stansted Airport. West Ham fans flying to a match in November were said to have aimed the chant at a Jewish passenger. The 31 and 55-year-olds are due in court next month. An uninsured driver from Margate who hit a schoolgirl and tricked police into thinking he was his dad has avoided going to jail. Blake Woodford was behind the wheel of his father's car when he knocked down a 12-year-old in Broadstairs and then gave false details to officers at the scene. Well, the girl wasn't seriously injured and her brother managed to track down the man responsible using social media. The 28-year-old from Elmley Way has been given a suspended sentence and ordered to do 120 hours of unpaid work. The health secretary has said a rise in COVID cases we're seeing right now was to be expected following the easing of restrictions. Restrictions. Sajid Javid insists the UK remains in a very good position, while well, latest figures show the number of people testing positive in Kent has gone up by 44% in the space of a week. There's also been a slight increase in the number of patients in hospital with coronavirus. Well, Delta cron has been identified as the latest variant. You can read about it at Kent Online. And just a reminder, the availability of free COVID tests is due to end at the end of the month. As of April the first, you will have to pay for them next today an a kent woman who's been a victim of cyber flashing has welcomed the news it's going to become a criminal offense if you've not heard of it before this is when offenders send inappropriate images to people online without their consent often targeting victims via their email or social media Well, it's now going to be included in the government's new online safety bill and those who do it could face up to two years in prison. It's thought around half of young women have received a sexually explicit image without asking for it. Well, reporter Leisha Gallagher has been speaking to Jeanette Forder from Rochester who was targeted after setting up a business page on social media.
0: Your home is your sanctuary. Your phone is your personal space. And for me, when that happened to me, they were invading my personal space they were invading my home you know I run a business where my details are out there they're on public public record and actually if they can get to you in your home you just wonder if I'm engaging with this person could it escalate and yeah like for me that was much more of a violation than if you you know you're, you're walking and somebody is whistling or passing comments out of the car those I, I can deal with much more than actually it's on my phone because it made me feel, be fearful to open emails or open messages. It's like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. Um, so for me, it, I think it's actually worse because, again, this is all about control. For some men, sadly, they get some sort of kick out of doing this stuff. I don't understand it, and I think the bulk of men wouldn't understand it but they get some level of control. They want to engage you. And even if you engage in the way that I did, that was to tell them this is inappropriate and unwarranted and you know, unacceptable, they've still got you. They've got you there and you're engaging. And it's all very well to go, oh, well, just block it. Don't read it, just block it. The problem is it's there. It's in your head already and you're vulnerable in your own home. And that's just not on, not on at all. Yeah, I know exactly how you feel because so I've had the exact same thing happen to me on my social media, and you know, I'm I'm a lot younger, and it's happening younger and younger now. I think than than it ever has with young people getting social media. I mean, without yeah. you know pressing too much, what what sort of things will you will you get through from from men on your personal social media? How how vile do they get? They can be. Some of them can be really innocent, or they start off really innocent. You'll get. Message request and it will just say hi. And I always kind of scratch my head at that and think, yeah. And um, worst was somebody who came through my website and emailed me direct again, my business email address, it's out there and started saying, Oh, you know, been looking at this, saw your profile, it's really lovely, you're really gorgeous, you're this, you're that. And you know, you think, Oh, yeah, I'd be really flattered, but no, I wasn't. And then said, he then went on to say, oh, you know, would it be wrong if I asked you if we could go out on a date? I'd really love to meet you. I'm fun-loving and all this sort of stuff, which is, it feels innocent, but it's not appropriate. And then the other things that I've had has been those those personal photos, intimate photos that they've sent of themselves to my messenger on my on my social media. And, again, you open it. Because you never recognise the profile's always different. You open it because the idea is you've got to open it in order to block them. So you've opened it and then you've seen it. That to me was just vile. You know that's, That to me is indecent exposure. The same as someone who's flashing or whatever in the street. It's vile and it is done, not to impress you. I mean, how anyone could be impressed with that, I never know. But it's done to make you feel uncomfortable in your own home on your own social media and it's just just wrong I mean I instantly deleted it blocked the guy and I now will look at those message requests and I will block them straight away and I know that that's what we're advised to do because there's really no recourse in any other way and um, I haven't had any for a little while so maybe my being quite vocal about it not on social media has stopped them but I'm sure it's happening to other women and like you said, you know you people like your ladies like yourself that are younger and it, it happens to teenagers and that's just awful that's when they're just starting out um, and yeah, it just makes my skin crawl cool just thinking of. About
2: it even. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Five vehicles have been set alight in a suspected arson attack in Ramsgate. Police and firefighters were called to Anne's Road in the early hours of this morning. We're told nobody was injured, but the blazes are thought to have been started deliberately. Parents have complained about lockable gates being installed on school toilets in Medway, saying pupils are being denied basic human rights. hundred of who Academy have put them in place, in addition to a policy where children need a pass to go to the toilet during lesson times. A statement from the school says pupils have access to toilets throughout the day, but should follow the systems that have been in place for a number of years. You can let us know what you think by voting in the poll on the story at Kent Online. The Kent Online podcast has been told an inquiry into changes to school transport for children in the county with special needs must be independent to rebuild parents' trust. Hundreds of pupils were left without travel arrangements at the start of the new term last month. Bosses have already apologised and say a review will be carried out, but opposition councillors want it to be done externally. More now on efforts in Kent to help those caught up in the current conflict in Ukraine and dozens of schools across the county have teamed up to provide support for refugees. A collection point has been set up in Folkestone and three lorry loads of donations have already been sent to Eastern Europe. I've been speaking to David Whitehead, who's the CEO of our community multi-academy trust and helped come up with the plan.
4: One thing that schools do very well is is react to a crisis, as we've seen during during the pandemic, and schools have always been central to collecting for charity, uh, supporting many charities nationally and locally for for decades. So it seemed natural that when you know this story broke and we could see the impact that the invasion was having on the, the Ukrainians, that we wanted to do something. That was going to impact positively on their on their lives, so um, I knew that schools would want to do something and and do something positive. So I contacted um, uh, Mike Waters, the chair of KH, uh, last Sunday Sunday for last sorry, yeah. and said really feel we need to do something here collectively because all schools will want to do something but if we could bring them all together then we could have a really massive impact on on uh, the situation over there so we have coordinated uh, an appeal collection across kent um with a vast majority of kent schools taking part now um collecting a, a wide range of donations you know nappies through to clothes through to sleeping bags through to through to uh, uh medical goods that we are able to source etc um already being taken over by the lorry load
2: that's absolutely incredible and as you say schools really do like to to react and and help even if it's not within their own community i think everybody has wanted to help uh, the people of ukraine who are trying to flee how logistically are you getting those donations over to the people that need them
4: well, it was quite serendipitous, actually, that when, so the you know, I had this sort of idea that we needed to come together. At the same time, a head teacher uh, down in Elam, Dan File, had already uh, started a process of organising with the local community there, um, getting a container in Folkestone, um, two 20-foot containers, actually, and then organising a range of HGVs to actually start taking the, um, the collections over to Poland. In order to afford to be able to do that, because obviously, you know, fuel is creeping up in price as we speak. Um, a GoFundMe page was set up with the aim of raising £10,000 to pay for the fuel. And I think already we're over 14000 on that collection, uh, which is amazing. And and we, again, you know, in, in the letter that we sent out from KH to all the schools, we put the link to the GoFundMe page in there. We've managed, we've, we've really asked it to be sent out to, you know, everyone in the community who might have contacts with businesses etc who might be feeling generous to help and i think that's had an impact as well so as well as you know uh All the donations that are coming in, we've raised a substantial amount of money to enable the lorries to go over.
2: Within a school situation, particularly with younger children, do you broach this sort of subject? Because it is very difficult, isn't it, to try and explain and and not to make them too frightened about what's going on.
4: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And that's one of the first things that we dealt with, actually, um, and certainly within our trust that we dealt with uh my own son came back home from school he's nine and was really upset and anxious about it had, had watched it on Newsround because you know most schools will quite rightly show Newsround in the classroom so it's a brilliant program but he came home with all sorts of concerns and uh and i sort of you know talked him through what was happening and gave him a little bit of a history lesson in terms of what's happened in the past etc um Lo and behold, you know, the next day, Newsround has actually put together a a really excellent um, information package for parents and for educators to use to explain the situation to children. And then subsequently, the DfE have also been really quick to react in this in terms of putting together a really excellent set of resources for for schools to use. So, yeah, it has to be obviously um, dealt with very sensitively, you know, and I think also when we couple that with coming, you know, we're still within you know, the impact of a global pandemic as well. So so our children, you know, in their little young lives, they've had so much to deal with in the last two to three years. And this is another thing which they are, you know, understandably going to be worried about. And, and we need to deal with it very, very sensitively.
2: Meantime, a bar in Whitstable is trying to do its bit to fund the aid effort. A pound from the sale of every bottle of Ukrainian beer at Amadea will be going to the British Red Cross. The bar is part Croatian, a country which was itself involved in a conflict in the early 90s. Thomas runs the bar.
4: The war in Yugoslavia was still very recent and it all just feels quite close to home and a similar horrible war happening again. Um, So, yeah, any kind of anything we can do that's kind of pro-Europe or pro kind of the little guy will do it.
2: Finally today, a scheme encouraging people to house Ukrainian refugees in their spare rooms for six months launches today. Ministers hope people could start hosting in a week's time and those taking part will receive a £350 a month thank you from the government. Well, we're asking today on socials if you would be prepared to open your home to a Ukrainian refugee. Head to our Facebook and Twitter to have a say. We'll have details on some of your responses in tomorrow's podcast.
4: Kent
1: Online reports.
2: Plans to have raised platforms so you can see bison that are being introduced to woodland near canterbury have been scrapped kent wildlife trust wanted to put four viewing stations in blean but the councils rejected the idea the trusts say they're disappointed but the arrival of the bison will still go ahead as planned and they're due to get here in may now today is dog theft awareness day and kent police say they're working hard to tackle it the number of pets stolen went up by a fifth during the pandemic and new laws were brought in last year to impose tougher sentences on those Responsible. Johanna Kerwin's two-year-old dog Bjorn went missing from Blue Water back in November when her van was broken into. He was eventually found 20 miles away in London and had been bought by a couple who didn't realise he'd been stolen. Johanna's been telling Ish how she felt when her dog was taken. Angry, sad, frustrated. I mean, me and Michael,
5: we don't have children, so we pour all our love into this little dog and he's everything to us. Um we heartbroken. Don't know. We, we we said we're never gonna wish for anything again after we got got him back and in in good health and everything. So couldn't, you know. It was very difficult, very hard, and it's like a nightmare now.
4: Have you become more protective of, of Bjorn since that time? I imagine you have.
5: Yeah, I mean we we always never liked leaving him alone uh, anyway so whenever we could we if we're going to the pub we would take him with us uh, we would always try and to have him safe and in company anyway but now it's like if he's out in the garden for too long we like look out we call for him you know we we lock the cat flap at night so he can't go out and uh, things like that so and we definitely do not leave him in the car alone so if if it's two of us and we have him with us in the car one of us stays in the car now so you just have to adjust to that sort of things that you can't leave leave him alone at all
4: and this circumstance dog thefts we've seen we know um there's been a rise in the last couple of years during the pandemic do you think it's an issue that's being taken seriously enough do you think there should be more done to, to punish those who do it and try and deter people from committing such a
2: crime?
5: I mean, if it was a higher sort of... I know that they are fighting to get, like, higher sentences and stuff. What I think is difficult to find proof who done it, unless you have CCTV, and even then it, it seems like it's it's very difficult to to get the people in jail or fined or whatever because the emotional damage and and everything else I think is worse um, but because unless recently dogs were items and rather than beloved pets and family members I think if they were treated as such uh, maybe it would deter but I'm not sure I think it's just so difficult for the police to find and, and uh, prosecute people especially when they have been for so many different hands. Like Bjorn, he's probably been with three, four different families before he came back to us. So it's diff- very difficult for the police to investigate that sort of. Change of hands.
2: And at Kent Online today, you can read some more heartwarming stories from owners who've been reunited with their stolen pets. An independent brewery is taking over the tap room in Ashford. It's on Bank Street, and the owners are hoping to have it open by the end of April after the previous bosses were forced to close because of the pandemic. They're also going to be teaming up with local food firms who'll get to spend three months each serving meals. Joanna Scanlon has won the Best Actress BAFTA for her role in After Love, which was set in Dover. The film was written and directed by Kent's Alim Khan and tells the story of a woman who converts to Islam and discovers her husband's secret life across the channel after he dies. The Power of the Dog and Dune were among the other big winners at last night's ceremony in London. And George Ezra has made it a record five weeks at number one on the Kent Top 40 on our sister radio station KMFM. His song Anyone for Love is still leading the chart, Beg for You by by Charlie XEX remains at number two, now followed by Where Did You Go by Jack Jones.
1: Kent Online Sport,
2: Football first, and it was a massive win for Gyningham at the weekend as their fight to avoid relegation continues. They beat Doncaster Rovers 1 0 away from home with the goal coming from Charlie Kelman after just 59 seconds. So, how nervous was manager Neil Harris ahead of the final whistle? He spoke to us after the game.
6: At the end of the game of football, there's only gold in it, and, and there's so much at stake. here. Yeah, of course, you do. Fear that out of nothing they could score a goal, but um, shot across the box um, was never going in really. Ponders makes one good save, other than that, never really. I actually thought Wilmore liked to score the second goal on the counter attack or from the set play, Um, so I was quite calm to be honest. I trusted my team, Um, we didn't have a lot of options on the bench to really change or affect the game so. you know, the players that were on the pitch at the end were sort of the players um, that I, probably, I thought I could rely on in shape-wise. So, uh, yeah, I felt, felt, felt relatively comfortable. And I thought, you know, today was testament to the players' hard work and, and learning capabilities. Um, poor defending, Gary, Jeffrey say on, on their behalf, letting the ball bounce in their box. But we'd seen that as a trait in their play. Um, they don't attack the first ball. So, um, you know, was a really pleased for Charlie Kelman. It just gave us that foothold in the game um, to, to, to be on the front foot early on. Um, and make them chase the game and then sometimes you can score too early in the game as we saw with probably England at the Euros um, against Italy in the final but um, today was enough for us to, to, to get the points. I'd like us to be better. I'd like us to have got a second or third goal and I'd like us to you know, say, be more productive. Uh, yeah, obviously of course I would but again just personnel sometimes dictates. And, and the fact we did have chances and we could have scored again and, and Danes disappointed with two headers. One was blocked in the six yard box and one was going in the far corner. Um, but if, if, it, if it means winning games, 1-0, drawing 0-0, nicking the 2-0 or the 2-1, then, then then so be it. In the season it's just about winning games of football now. That's the mentality I've got. Um, the players are delivering that mentality also. And if it's a clean sheet mentality to win, then then, then so be it. Um, obviously, it was, we, we knew the magnitude of the game and the, the importance of the result here. And it just sets us up nicely for a big week.
2: The duels were 10 points from safety when Harris took over as manager. They're now only in the League One relegation zone on goal difference and the side travel to take on Charlton at the Valley tomorrow. And in cricket, England's women are facing an early exit from the World Cup after a third straight defeat. Kent's Tammy Beaumont top scored with 62 runs, but it wasn't enough to beat South Africa in their latest game. England are the defending champions, but now need other results to go their way to have any chance of qualifying for the semi-finals. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Plus, you can get access to the ad free Kent Online premium site. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe.
1: News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.
0: This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group